Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. When the generations divide, youth will know only the youth and the aged will know only the aged. Landon Jones wrote this in his book, Great Expectations, American and the Baby Boomer Generation, a book that coined the term boomer. This is Christian Curious with Dr. Haley, where we discuss some of the most important cultural questions of the day and how they affect ministry. Baby boomers, usually defined as being born from 1946 to 1964, is a massive generational cohort of about 72 to 76 million people. Compare that to my own generation, Generation X, which is about 65 million. But over the last few weeks, we've been talking to people from each generation about how the pandemic and civil unrest has been affecting them and their peers. It's important to note a couple of things. First, no story is the same, and how we have experienced 2020 differs from each person within the same age group. And number two, in the same way, people have been affected by the events in 2020 in more ways than just their generation, such as socioeconomic class, race, gender, and where you live. Still, we've learned some differences between the generations and how 2020 has affected them. Today, my guest is a young boomer, born on the cusp of baby boomer and Generation X. Sarah Sumner, Ph.D., MBA, is the first woman theologian in U.S. history to become dean of a conservative evangelical seminary. In her first 16 months on the job as dean of A.W. Tozer Theological Seminary, she assembled and led a team that broke three all-time records in 34 years. Prior to her deanship, Dr. Sumner was a faculty member and department chair at Azusa Pacific University. Before that, she taught theology at Wheaton College and served on church staff as a ministry leader in the evangelism department at Willow Creek. In 1996, she married Jim Sumner. Dr. Sumner, welcome to Christian Curious. Hey, thank you, Dr. Haley. I appreciate that. I'm interested to understand your perspective on the pandemic and the civil unrest, both as being a a late baby boomer, um, you're a pretty young baby boomer, and also bringing in your theological training and your knowledge about how the pandemic is affecting society as a whole. And so my first question to you is, what has been the most difficult aspect of the pandemic so far for you personally? Well, I'd say for me personally, I mean, I live in Northern California, and you would think maybe I would have fewer freedoms, but actually it's been really nice. I can go jogging freely any 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 day, any time. And I guess the hardest thing for me is just watching people, watching other people shut down, watching other people not partake of the freedom they have. Here, here in Northern California, there's a bunch of us who are out in the parks and the, and the rivers, and it's very inspiring. Families, people of all ages, every generation is outside in Northern mm-hmm. California. And, but the hardest thing for me has been watching all the ones who are just shutting down, watching people sort of wilt, watching people, watch, watching other people lose hope, I think is the hardest thing for me. 
because personally, I, I, I personally have not lost hope, but the, and, and I haven't lost as much as most people have because the, the ministry, um, I, I lead a ministry called Right on Mission, which mostly works um, online at rightonmission.org. And so I didn't experience the loss in terms of not being able to work. I was already used to Zoom, and our team was already used to being on Zoom video. But it, but still, there's a, there's a, there's. It feels like there's a blanket of, of like, a, of a darkness or heaviness on, on people, and that's been the hardest part to watch because I want, I want everyone. I personally want everyone to, to just, to say no, uh, to, to hopelessness. Right. I mean, absolutely. I totally agree. The hopelessness. Just this morning, I posted on Facebook. Is anybody else homesick for life before 2020? Um, and I think there is that right. that sense of homesickness, but also there's a, another element of a level. Of, I like your description of a blanket of darkness that that is enveloped pretty much global society as a whole, and everyone is kind of wondering what is happening next. Um, what do you I know? My brother. Oh, oh, go I ahead. Just say my brother. My brother lives in Singapore, and when this all happened, he goes, "This it feels like it's the end of the world." Right. Yeah, it does feel like that in a sense, you know. And it feels like <laughs> I was in Trader Joe's the day that the stay-at-home order came in here in Colorado. Yeah. And I was grabbing some cheese in Trader Joe's, and I was I had a mask on. And there was a stranger right next to me, and he was also grabbing something. And Trader Joe's was blaring REMs. It's the end of the world as we know it. And we, <laughs> me and this stranger looked at each other and laughed and thought, how appropriate is this? I mean, because oh my goodness, it is the end of the world as we know it. Um, it but I'm, it really, yeah, it is and as I, we know it. As we know it. And so I'm interested to hear, how would you um, distinguish the hopelessness where people are just kind of um, bearing, I would say that the hopelessness leads to sloth, which they're kind of ma yes. maybe bearing themselves in their own world via video games, online um, entertainment such as Netflix. Um, so how would you... Um, filter out the hopelessness and then the general sense of, you know, just the sloth and the laziness that, that might be coming, that might be overcoming people right now? Yeah, well, first off, I have a, I feel a lot of compassion for everybody who's just down and kind of bent over and, you know, watching movies or having the famous COVID-19, gaining 19 pounds, you know. Um, I, I feel for people, but I think the difference is, if you have, what kind of vision do you have of yourself? I mean, right. do you have a vision of yourself being strong and in shape? Do you have a vision of yourself learning, lifelong learning, a, a vision of yourself worshiping God and trusting God and, and being someone who's going to be there for other people? Or, or do, you, do we let this cloud out our own vision of ourselves? And that's what I think is really a big difference. And so... If you if you have a certain inner resolve, you know, like I think in the book of Judges where, where in the time of Deborah, you know, there were hearts of great resolve. Mm 
and that's that's what we teach people, you know, at Right On Mission, and that's what that's what I train people to do. So I'm constantly trying to model it and going, dear Lord, help me to transcend this and rise above it because it is temporary. And even if it extends for years, it's still temporary. Everything's temporary, and I think people lose sight of the uh, temporaneity of it all. Right. So you mentioned something about hearts of resolve, which is a really strong um, phrase for people to hold on to. What would be a couple of tips that you would give to people that that may be struggling right now, people that are homesick for life before 2020? All right. Well, that's an interesting way to put it, homesick, sort of like, yeah, homesick for how our normal used to be. That's that's pretty poignant. Well, you know, I have tried to grieve. Um, let me put it this way: in, in late January 2020, I had a, I actually had a terrible nightmare that something horrible was going to happen, and it, and I, I, I was crying in my sleep, and my stomach was turning, and I was just completely overwhelmed. I felt like Daniel mm-hmm. when you have a dream, and you just kind of felt sick. And so I didn't know if I should tell anybody, and I thought, well, that was so real. I think I'll tell a few people. So I did. And then when COVID hit, I was like, oh, wow, I think that I think that I got graced with a little bit of a warning. And so part of it is for us to not be so surprised because, you know, somebody would say, well, I didn't get it. I didn't have a dream like that. I go, I know. I, I hear that at the same time. You know, the scriptures tell us, Jesus tells us, you're going to have tribulation. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Right. And, and and so I'm hanging on to Jesus' words there. And then, and then I'd like to talk about the book of Malachi, because I think Malachi is the commentary, and it's a little mini, short, you know, 55 verses. It's four chapters that are short chapters in the last book of the Old Testament. And Malachi starts out uh, with God saying, I have loved you. And the question right back from Israel is, how have you loved us? <laughs> because they feel like you, you didn't love us. And the book goes through of God explaining, look, there is sin in the camp. And I think that's what I see in in the evangelical movement and the Catholic churches. We've had a lot of capitulation. Our accountability structures have been broken. And I think that we can look at our own lives and go, were we really seeking God? Because it seemed like God was just right there. You know, in, in the book of Malachi, they're saying, you know, Lord, we're just sitting here in the temple and we're just waiting. Where are you? And the Lord is pointing out, hold it. You don't, you haven't been, you haven't been following me the way you're supposed to be following me. Like, you haven't been given as true of instruction. And I look at, 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 at the Christians now and going, as a large group, how much have we been teaching people about a gospel of sin and grace and that a God who is wants complete honesty from us and from complete honesty from each other to each other. And then when you go into to, to Malachi, the, the, the Bible right in that book talks about a marriage at the end of chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, the Lord says, look, I'm going to send a, men- a messenger, and he will clear the way for me. I'm right here, he says, and, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. I'll be right there. He's coming. And he says, but who can endure the day? And, it, and, and the day is likened to a fire. 
And what the scriptures say is everybody's going to be in the fire. No one will not be in the fire. But, but there will be two different outcomes. Some people will be consumed by the fire, and some people will be refined by the fire. And one more thing, right there in Malachi chapter 3, God says this fire is a fire of judgment. And it's a fire of like of purifying. And God says, I'll be a swift witness. And he says he'll be a swift witness against the sorcerers and the adulterers and those who swear falsely and those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, those who oppress the widow and the orphan, those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me. And it boils down to... If we fear God, we're going to be all right. Right. And if we don't fear God, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and it's so important to remember that wherever we are and whatever we're going through, that that God is with us. You know, whether we're struggling with unemployment, whether we're, you know, parents of young children who have to manage working at home and schooling at home and also not being able to do the usual things that... um, that we're used to being able to do to know that, you know, even through this trial that, um, that God is with us and that this may be a source of refinement. And you mentioned, you know, other aspects of what's happening right now, the civil unrest, the breakdown of government, which is also causing a lot of anxiety among people. And I would go back to that same feeling of sloth and apathy it's very dangerous um, to fall into. I think that this is an opportunity for the church to step in and reclaim some degree of authority and help people through these times of unrest. And I would, I would like to hear your perspective on what you think that the church, you know, local churches and the global church, capital C church, should be doing during this time to assist people. Yeah, that's a great question. I really like how you laid that out, too. Well, here's my response. I believe that we, what we're seeing is the breakdown of our security system. So we're going to have to restructure our sense of security. And we really were never secure before. We just had sort of a false sense of security because it was always short-term security to have security in anything other than God because only God is eternal. So right. to get our security restructured, we're going to have to go, all right, Lord, teach us how to actually trust in you, an invisible God, to trust an invisible God when there's evidence of God all over the place. Just look at your own hand, look at your own fingerprints, look at the sky, at the sun, the moon, at the stars. The evidence is everywhere, right? And someone smile, you know, take a peek under that mask, you know, but but it's taking security in God. And, and then I really think this is a time for the church to preach the Bible, and that's why, you know, at Right on Mission, we're going through the whole Bible. I taught the whole Bible in two hours, mm-hmm. and, and we're going through a whole book of the Bible in two hours. And it's all free, like I said, but people need to get in the Word because the authority that the church has is really not the church's authority, just intrinsically of, of the church itself. The church's authority is for us to point people to the authority of God and to the authority of God's Word. And for us, we have authority because we have Christ in us. So we do have authority. Every Christian has authority. But the authority that you have is really the authority of Christ in you. And, and we, a lot of times we think of God out there and going, Lord, where are you out there? Well, God is out there, but don't forget that God is also in there. If you, if you have Christ inside you, where the scriptures say, this is in Colossians, 
says, let the peace of Christ, and it says let, so you've got to make a decision, to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And so the, the church now can, can be preaching God's Word. The church can be teaching people to look to God as our security and to know that He's overseeing all of history. God cannot lie, Titus chapter 1, verse 2. God can't lie. He can't. He doesn't. He won't. He always tells the truth. He is truth. Right. We live in a post-truth society, and when you have post-truth, you have lies. And lies breed chaos, and chaos causes insecurity. So the way we can, like, how do we get order in the, in the chaos and go, hold it. The truth is as stable as the day is long. Mm-hmm. Be truthful. And the more truthful we are, and the church can teach people, be truthful at every point. And the more truthful you are, the easier it is to trust God. And, and, and there's a direct correlation. And so, like, I wrote down stabilizing truths for myself because in my grief of what I see happening, and I don't think we've been through the worst of it yet, I think it's still more on the beginning side. I agree. And I have yeah. a sense of, so, um, I think we've, we've talked before off air on, um, I like how you have termed it pre-grieving because, you know, I too in January had, um, I didn't have a nightmare. I had sleepless nights and I was um, very concerned about uh, the pandemic in China. My attention was drawn to it. And, you know, my family, we were on vacation and they're like, why are you so obsessed with this? And I said, I, I just think it might be important. And I have the sense now that we are not through the, we are not through the worst part yet. The worst part has yet to come. And I like the, the way that you said our security has been ripped from us. And it was always a false right. security. It was always false. It was always false. Right. It was never really dependable. The government was never really dependable. Um, and, you know, all of these structures that we thought we had in place to keep us safe and secure weren't enough. And the church has the opportunity to step in and say, we know what is firm. We know what a firm foundation you can build on. And in my mind, I think that Christians ought to write down their stabilizing truth. You know, in every airplane you've ever been on, they say, put your own mask on first. We all put our masks on. We need to, the Christians need to ground themselves in those stabilizing truths of the word and prepare themselves for, for what is to come in order to be that stabilizing presence in, in a world of chaos. And I think that, that that's, is, right. that's what we need to do. And I, I love the way that you have you know, brought that truth out, that that was never stable. That was never you know, something firm. We just thought it was. We just thought it was secure. Right. One of my favorite, maybe this is my favorite thing Dallas Willard ever said. Dallas one time said, pain is what you bump, he says, pain is what happens when you bump into reality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the thing is, you know, a stable, stabilizing truths, you know, you can write them down, you know, like the promises of God never fail, you know, or God never lies, God is entirely faithful. I actually write statements like this for people. We have a service, and it's called a why statement. You might have heard that from from um, other contexts. But the way I do it at Right on Mission 
is is uh, find somebody's vision statement, their mission statement and vision statement, and then go from there. There's a trilogy of statements, and that third statement is a why statement. So, like, for me, my why statement is this. I believe God surprises us with yet another jackpot every time we truly trust in him. Yeah. And so that really helps me because I honestly believe that. And I'm like, God is going to surprise us. And look at how he surprised us. Things seem so dark before. And I'm thinking like in the Old Testament, even if you go back to the book of Malachi, like when you're in the temple, where is, where's God? And then it's not very long after that, even though it is, it's decades, it, it goes it actually a few hundred years and going, oh, for a personal lifetime, that seems so long. But in world history, what does God do? He surprises us and the word becomes flesh in the form of a baby. Yeah. And I'm like, oh Lord, you're so fun that God would God would become flesh and the and and the Mary would have a baby. Now the thing is, God does things like that in our lifetime. He does. He surprises us again, again. Part of what we can do is look for look for look for God. Actually seek God. And and when we're writing down our own uh, statement of truth, I mean things like you know the scriptures say, overcome evil with good. So you could be asking yourself, you know, what good can I do right now? And yeah. and that's what I'm saying, like going, you know, get yourself a, a, a discipline. Like for me, I'm thinking discipline. I, I got up this morning, you know, I ran three miles. I, I'm doing push-ups. I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to stay in shape. And right. that's the heart of great resolve. Yes. You know? And not everybody has the health to do that. But if you do, you know, and just breathing, getting good oxygen in your in your body, you know, I run, I've started a running streak of, I run a 5k a day, unless I would climb mm-hmm. a 14 er and then I count that as my, st- <laughs> I count that as my 5k since I'm running, I'm climbing a 14 er mountain, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I always joke that I run to burn off the crazy, but it, you know, determine in your mind that you are going to have a heart of great resolve to overcome this. Also think that we need to um, I always go back to this passage where it says the men of Issachar who understood the, the times and knew what the church should do. And that's been a prayer for myself for a long time. I've been praying that over and over and over again. Do, dear God, li- make me like a man of Issachar who knew the times and understood the times and knew what the church should do. And these stabilizing things can really help us pull us out of this state of just, um, how did you put it earlier, um, what you saw as a blanket of darkness? Oh, I just said, yeah, it's like a blanket of darkness and heaviness. And heaviness, yeah. You can feel that. Then I think the heaviness is what makes the lethargy. People, like, you're going, it just feels like lifting up my knee. There's, like, more gravity than there used to be. And, and that's what I'm saying, like, I feel compassionate toward that. And I think the thing, too, is, you know, to, when I say, like, hearts of great resolve, you can do things like going, all right, I'm definitely going to pray with people. Because one of our sins as a large group is we don't large group pray together very much. So in this, you know, like at Right on Mission, we, we have a prayer time, you know, 8.15 on Thursday mornings, California time, till 9 o'clock, you know, and Anybody can join us for that, you know, and you can just write on mission.org. Let us know if you want to be part of that. But we have other prayer groups, too, and it's important to be with, praying with people that um, you're around. I made sure that we stayed, we keep taking communion 
You know, you you get prepare your own communion elements and take communion with the people that you're with. And so we have not stopped that rhythm because part of security is the rhythms of life. So you're going, okay, I'm still going to exercise. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking three times more water. You know, drink water and exercise. Pray and pray with people and pray longer. If you can, fast. You know, like right. withhold, don't eat for 24 hours. And seek God, going, Lord, I'm really looking for you. And, and read the Bible. Create structures, you know, create a create a schedule. And, you know, if you stick to your schedule, I'm like, for me, I'm like going, okay, that's it. I'm off social media. Like, get off right now. And then also even just finding a little bit of fun and trying to keep humor, you know, in your right. life. And I think I think there are ways that we can stay healthy. But, but I like the word structure because what's happened is we've been stripped of our security structure. Yes. So what we've got to do is add structure to our lives and especially in terms of seeking God and and like I said, um, praying because God will help us. Yeah. And a lot of us don't know that and that's why we've lost hope because we really didn't seek God before. We don't have enough stories to know what happened when we actually prayed. And those of us who do, we know. And so right. everybody who knows that, we got to encourage everybody and have more people find that out firsthand. And the families that are together more and the praying stuff, we could actually surge ahead. When you ask um, Dr. Haley, when's the, what can the church do? We can surge ahead and go, you know what? We already know the end of the story, and it's going to end up just great. You're gonna, is there going to be a fire? It's going to be a fire of judgment. It's happening right now, but we're going to be refined. And it's good to be refined. It's it better is. to be refined than not be refined. Right. Well, the Sarah, if, if people want to reach out to you, where where can they find you? You can find me at rightonmission.org. It's R-I-G-H-T-O-N-M-I-S-S-I-O-N.org. And my email's on there. It's just Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at rightonmission.org. And, you know, you can, you can get in there and, and um, listen, get it, jump into these Bible studies because I'm just walking you through it. Bring your Bible. You don't have to say anything. You can stay later after the two hours and talk with people afterwards. But we, we just get through those scriptures. And then, you know, if you can, come get your mission statement, get your wife statement. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we, we have a whole seminary. It's online. It's 82% less um, expensive than uh, other seminary. I've been a seminary dean, like you mentioned before. But right on mission.org. That's how you find me. Thank you so much, Dr. Sumner. If you're interested in reaching out to Sarah, I really encourage you to do so. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. Please reach out to me anytime with questions and comments by emailing me at drhaley at christiancurious.org. Remember... Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.